0: Welcome back to the Project 24 YouTube Podcast. This is episode six. Hello, everybody. It's Nate here. Man, it feels like it's been forever since I have done a podcast episode. And I know it hasn't been for you, but I actually recorded the last few uh, several weeks ago because uh, someone was going to be out of town. Anyway, long story short, now I am finally here recording this podcast Perhaps one of the most requested recently in the Project Twenty Four community, and that is drafting for YouTube. This is a topic that I am very excited about. Let me explain it high level, and then get into more of the nitty gritty because there's a specific thread in the YouTube community as of recording. It was about 15 days ago that it was put out, um, but by by you by uh, you guys specifically. There was it was asked originally by Go 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 Sia, And uh, there's a lot of questions by Queen Liz and Raven, Raven, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, as well as a few of you others. Um, But I wanted to, in that thread, I promised that I was going to make this podcast, and here it is. So, high level, the concept of drafting on YouTube is understanding what is on YouTube already and so that you can replicate and leverage the audience that is already existing on YouTube. Now, since answering the question in that thread in the YouTube community, if you want to search it out, it's called drafting for YouTube. I have since divided this into a few different segments to better clarify what this concept is. The first is understanding uh, what, what you want to do on YouTube. And I won't speak very far on this, but before you ever do any drafting, you need to have a general idea of what you're going to do, what you want to be doing on YouTube, that can include the topics you're going to be covered, but also how you're going to deliver that content. Are you going to do it more entertainment style? Is it going to be more how-to style? Um, That's the first aspect, and we'll talk more about that in the future. But the second aspect, and the third aspect, so the second aspect is the channel audit where you're under sorry not channel audit <laughs> industry audit where you're under understanding the industry on YouTube and then you do drafting and it's important to do it in that order for this reason well, and I'll explain this here so industry audit what you are looking to do when you do an industry audit is understand what is happening for your chosen topic on YouTube already, before you add anything to YouTube, before you produce anything, and if you're doing this mid-channel, it's before you add anything new to that industry on YouTube, what is already happening in that industry? And so, the kinds of questions you're asking yourself is, what channels are out there? What videos are they producing? What topics are recurring in the videos? What kind of topics continuously seem to do well? What topics don't do very well? So, as I'm going through, if I'm going through and I'm, and I'm doing an industry audit, which by the way, if I ever do a consult, uh, it's this is the first thing I do. It, it, it'll often be, they'll ask me questions about their specific channel, but for in order for me to understand how to answer those questions most effectively, I need to understand what's already happening. What kind of ideas are out there and what channels are doing the best and how, how they're approaching YouTube The other big thing that the industry audit does is it validates if the idea you have in your mind is even a good idea in the first place, before you even start producing videos if you're doing it for the first time, or if you have been doing it for a while, it's is this new direction that I am looking to take a good idea, or if you've been doing it for a while and it doesn't seem to be working, you go back and you do an industry audit and say is this even a good idea? Is there the capacity on YouTube for this idea? Now, the one caveat I will add before I go deeper into this is, yes, there is a space for introducing a totally new idea. And that's great. It's called innovation, right? But the the you will be fighting an uphill battle there because, and it's not because it's not a good idea or anything like that. It's because you don't already know if the idea works on YouTube. If what you have in mind for producing as a channel or even individual videos, I'll get into that a bit more in drafting when I talk about it, but for a channel itself, it, you don't know. You, you don't have that proof. It's one of the biggest advantages that we have when we lead out with YouTube over blogging and other areas is that we can literally see the public metrics of how things work or not. How many subscribers are channels getting? You know, what's what's the cap? If if I'm looking into, oh man, I think of an example, uh, making your own pillows. <laughs> if I'm looking into making a channel I'm all about making your own pillows, and I'm looking at the industry, and I'm seeing that the top subscribed channel in that industry that I can find only has about 5,000 subscribers, it's reasonable to assume that that is about terminal velocity, meaning that is about as big as you can expect your channel to get. I hope you guys got what I just said. <laughs> uh, you, you, because you have access to these numbers, you can already, to a certain degree, predict how big your channel idea will get on YouTube. Is that crazy? It blows my mind every time I think about that. So back to the making pillows example. So if I'm doing an industry audit and I'm saying okay, I'm, it, there's there's the different aspects of of making pillows, you know maybe it's upholstery, maybe it's um, reupholstering your own uh, couches, something like that. Maybe that's my topic for the channel, and I'm seeing that the top subscribers for that is about five thousand, and the average baseline of views, like the if I go to some of those channels that have you know the five thousand subscribers and I see that they're getting about. 200, 200 to 300 views on any given video, what that tells me is that idea and the way that they are presenting that idea, that topic is about at terminal velocity with that amount of subscribers and views. Good to know, eh? (laughs) And the other thing, I'm going to come back to that with drafting here, but the other thing with uh, doing the industry audit is you are developing a sixth sense. What I mean here is you start to, the goal with doing the industry audit and staying in the industry and coming back and doing industry audits periodically, I'd recommend at least every quarter doing another fresh industry audit, is you want to know, you want to be up to date with what has worked, right? But what is current? What is currently the trend what are what kinds of videos are working right now and as you immerse yourself in understanding that in understanding the industry on on YouTube then you will start to develop that sixth sense of understanding before you even make a video about how successful that video will be before you ever publish the video before you even make the video you're going to start to understand yeah, this video is going to perform about at this amount based on my channel's performance thus far. You know, you may not be the biggest channel in your industry. Uh, Maybe you're about a mid-level channel. So you can expect that video to do about X amount of views uh, because you already know. You've developed that sixth sense. You already kind of understand the industry better. So those are the big benefits of industry audit. As far as the actual tactical of of going in and doing industry audit, there's a few approaches I would take. First of all, you make, I'm, I'm it's in development right now. I can't promise when it's going to come out, but uh, a, a actual worksheet to to conduct an in industry audit. Uh, but if I were to create one from scratch right now, let me just tell you a bit of the tactical. One is I would probably use a spreadsheet and I would start listing, I would go into YouTube and I, well, first of all, the spreadsheet, I would make a list of channels, of topics, of themes, of types of videos that I'm seeing, and if it's channels, what are, how many subscribers do they have? How many? What's their baseline of views on those? On, on any given video, how popular is this channel? So, and then I would go into YouTube and I would start doing searches. So, there's a few different approaches. It's not just searches. This is one of the biggest differences uh, between YouTube and potentially blogging or other ways of of doing market analysis. And that is on YouTube, you want to look at the searches. Yeah, you can search for terms in your industry that you've chosen, but also find the channel. So if you go into YouTube search and you search for a, a term, you know, reupholstering pillows, <laughs> and then you can go into filters and filter it by channel, see what channels show up, and then click through on those channels and look at their videos that's where you're looking at the videos tab. You're looking at uh, the baseline of views over the last two to three weeks. Uh, How many views do they get on average on their videos? And then you're also going to sort by most popular and you're looking for the videos that are the most popular within the last year. uh, They got the most views. Those are indicators. And then also you're going to click through on some of those videos and see what are the suggested videos on the side. And in fact, if you do this in an incognito Uh, like an incognito browser not signed in unless you want to create a dummy account it'd actually be even more accurate if you created a dummy account just for your industry audit and drafting uh, and where you click through and you watch a bunch of similar videos to what you're considering making or what your channel is about uh, then the algorithm will be on your side but i'll say it for either direction you're going to click through on some of these videos and see what are the suggested ones on the side because these are the ones that YouTube is seeing. well, this audience also likes these videos. And you're going to click through on those. You're going to start discovering the threads that are on YouTube. You're going to be understanding how YouTube understands the audience and and which videos people click through most. Because you can bet that a lot of those suggested videos are videos that have been proven to be clicked through in association with the video that you're currently on. So that is, you're getting a definition of how YouTube understands, how the YouTube under algorithm understands that audience and how they decide to lead people through ideas on YouTube. Yay. I'm hoping this is making sense thus far, as far as the tactical. So you've got that. Oh, uh, one more note on the creating a dummy account. I actually think this could be very valuable as if you are a viewer. So so create another account as if you were a viewer of your channel, of the channel that you are either currently making or you're thinking of making and pursue all those threads. And the reason why that's a good idea is because it will save, you want to set it to save your history and your searches in that dummy account, because then you can observe firsthand as a viewer of your channel, what other videos are being suggested. What other content is the algorithm matching with you as the viewer of your channel And that serves as another data source for you. Okay. Now let's talk about the actual drafting element. So thus far, we've understood the industry as a whole. You've developed that sixth sense. Now drafting is where you drill down and you find channels that are the most similar to your current existing channel, the channel you want your channel to be, or the channel that you are going to create. And this is, as you've made a list of a bunch of channels, no matter how varied, they may have any level of overlap with what you are thinking about doing on YouTube. At any level, really, like 10% overlap. You'd still have that in your industry audit because you're understanding it as a whole, right? But then, when it comes to drafting, you're looking for the channels that are at least 70% of what you're considering doing on YouTube. 70% overlap in the topics covered, in how they're delivered. If you're thinking of, uh, it could be very different. If I'm doing a pillow pillow upholstering <laughs> channel, and I I keep laughing because it's just a funny channel and probably not a good idea for an entire channel. <laughs> you would probably want to broaden that broaden that a little bit. But anyway, I'm I'm using it because I think it's a fun example. So if I were doing this. there's a difference between a how-to pillow upholstering channel and a uh, connection pillow upholstering Mm -hmm. channel. Uh, Meaning, if I'm doing more of a vlog style or an influencer style channel, that would be very different than a how-to style channel. So when we're drafting, we're looking for the channels that are at least 70% or more match of the topics and how they're delivering it. What kind of channel is it? There, it, this can be broadly categorized into three different types of channels. Uh, the entertainment style, the the information style, or the connection style, uh, the type of channel. So, you're picking your top channels that are most like that. And you're making a list, and we're going to drill in further with those channels. We're going to do even deeper analysis of what works Already on those channels. I would probably pick no more than 15 of those channels. And then with each of those channels, what you're going to do is do a more start another tab in your spreadsheet and say, okay, this is the channel. This is their subscribers. It's great. But then I'm going to pick maybe 10 videos of theirs it would be good to take note of videos that are performing well, as well as videos that aren't performing well. So a way to, a way to judge that is if you go into the video tab on YouTube, you can sort by most popular. And then you're kind of in general looking for the ones that are within the last year. I, I can make an exception for maybe up to two years. The reason I won't go further than that is it's not current and, and you want current ideas. Uh, so you, you're sorting by most popular there and maybe you pick 10 or so videos and then you drill in like really drill into those videos of what, how did they deliver that? You're not judging it. You're not, you're not, you know, thinking you could do better at this point. What you're doing is you're breaking it apart and understanding why those videos did well. So you can document how many views did they get? Uh, You don't have access to the analytics of average watch time or click-through rate or anything like that, and that's just fine. You can work with what you have publicly. But you're looking at um, how how many views did they get? What's the overall sentiment of their comments? Uh, the, The people that are commenting, what are they commenting about? What are the aspects that they are appreciating in the comments? What are the things they're not liking in the comments? And then you're looking at a few other important data points, and that is the title What language are they using? In fact, it might make sense to just copy the title when you're analyzing a specific video, copy down the link to the video, copy down the title, and then break apart the thumbnail. How is the thumbnail structured? Is it, what colors do they use? Is there a face in the thumbnail? What are they showing? So you're taking note of the thumbnails that they're using. And then uh, other data points not as important that you could look at is descriptions, specifically the first two or three lines of the description. And then, uh, you know, I've had questions. I do need to address this. I've had questions about uh, tags uh, or the rest of the description here in the Project 24 community. They really do not matter that much. And, and tools like vidIQ, I use it. Uh, it makes it really easy to just go to their video and just copy their tags. <laughs> you can just push a button, copy all their tags, and then you can use most of the tags. You'll tweak it a little bit, especially if they have their channel name in the tags. Uh, and you can just use that for your own videos. I wouldn't worry too much about the tags or the rest of the description. The what I would, the other data point I would look at is their pinned comment. Uh, what are they putting there? If they have a pinned comment, what are they putting there? And how many upvotes does it have? Because that's telling me how much interaction they're getting on their pinned comments. All right. So what we've just done, what I've just described, is a process of drafting. The first part, and that is understanding what is already out there. So once you've done this with several channels, you've broken down several videos, you've looked both at their best videos and their not so good videos. Next, wow, I wasn't expecting this podcast to be so tactical. <laughs> it's been top of mind for me because I've been thinking really about uh, how to do this in, in a good way. So anyway, so next, you're going to start, you're going to take that all the observances you've had, you're honing that sixth sense of understanding what videos are working already on YouTube, what types of content is already working, and you're gonna start planning your own videos. And this is where you you take it, and I, I can't, I keep thinking about a meme. Have you seen that meme? It's like, uh, I'm trying to remember, it's, it's like, yeah, c- hey, can I borrow your, can I copy your homework? And it's, oh yeah, yeah, you can just change up a few things. <laughs> It's a little bit of what you're doing here, uh, but you don't want to make the exact same piece of content on your own. What you're doing is taking pointers, specifically on the language, the delivery, every every data point that we have gotten thus far, you've gotten a sense of what kinds of videos are going to do well. And then you, at this point, you can choose several video ideas. Maybe they're new types that you haven't done before, or they're types that you have done, but after doing the industry audit and drafting you realize ah i could tweak that i could make it fit the audience a little better and so you're choosing videos and you're taking the pointers from what you're learning from the drafting to make your own videos now the most important things to mimic but not copy is the language in the titles what words are they using what things seem to what themes seem to do well with the audience and then the thumbnail. What are there familiar uh, aspects of the thumbnail that you can include in your own thumbnails? I've talked about this before, but th- that is a reason why on channel makers, for example, I often include a YouTube play button because I realized that is a it's a trigger. It's people eyes are drawn to that if they're in the audience of growing a YouTube channel. Hey, put a play button on there. That's the kind of stuff you're looking for. What you're not looking to do is copy. (laughs) Now, there's copy-copy that's like straight-up plagiarism, where you basically take the same thing, the exact same thumbnail, and just put your own face on it instead. I would definitely not do that. But as you go through, you're looking for familiarity, but not a one-to-one copy. That's what you're looking for. Um, And that, that comes with practice also. Okay, so you've got the drafting, uh, you've got how you're going to do it, implement it on your own videos. And as you do that, you're going to be practicing understanding what's currently on YouTube and implementing it and seeing how successful it is for your own channel. But then once you have that, then you can experiment with adding new stuff to YouTube. A mistake I see people make far too often is going in saying, I'm going to be so unique because what, what do we hear all the time? Oh, you got to stand out. You got to stand out. You got to stand out. But the problem is if you are so unique, people literally won't even know what you're about. And new people, they won't draw the association. You might, and you might run the risk of if, if everybody's driving uh, two-wheeled bicycles and you invent a four-wheel bicycle, sure, you might get a lot of people <laughs> paying attention and saying, what the heck, well, why is there a four-wheeled bicycle when everybody else is riding two-wheeled bicycles? Uh, but if it's too much of a novelty and that's not your brand, then you won't be actually reaching the audience you want. You'll be reaching a novelty audience. I hope that concept is making sense to you. The other issue with trying to be too original is you don't know If the idea you have works or not. This, there are far too many channels that try to do something totally original and new and yet totally miss the mark because they don't know if that idea is good or not. They think it's a good idea. Ah, this is such a great idea. It's the idea you pitch to your friends. You say, oh, this is a great idea. And because they're your friends, they say, yeah, that's a great idea. And it might even be a great idea. But the issue is people don't know that it's a great idea. I hope you're catching on to this. I saw recently a thread on, uh, I think it was Reddit, and it was, uh, the question, it was Ask Reddit, it was, the question was, what's the craziest business idea you've seen someone actually try to do? And one of them was, it was for a uh, soup tube delivery. Like, it was soup, what they were gonna do was work with the city to make tubes of soup (laughs) go to people's houses. Uh, Just like electricity or gas or, you know, uh, water, other utilities, but it was going to be soup and and you could, and you would have a subscription service uh, for how much soup you would have directly delivered to your home. (laughs) There's so many problems with that. And I know immediately you could list 20, 100 problems with that. But the thing is, the people who had, the person who had that idea thought it was a darn good idea. And they had zero validation if it was a good idea. And I don't want you to make the same mistake on YouTube. that is why industry audit and drafting are so important on YouTube. You can have a good idea, but the path of the least resistance, which we all, we often hear like the path of least resistance is a bad one, but in a lot of ways, it's also the path to the fastest growth. The path of least resistance is understanding what's already on there. And, uh, and, and taking pointers from it, understanding, building that sixth sense, and then using overlap with what is already there while you are building your audience. And then once you have an audience, then you can do new stuff. Then you can introduce new stuff that nobody's thought of before. But because you have an audience of people who already know, like, and trust you and watch your stuff regularly, then when you introduce something new to YouTube, then it can be an idea that takes off or it can be an idea that flops and you have a lot more audience to validate that there was a bad idea versus a good idea. And at that point, when your channel's at such a point that it has that kind of authority, then other people are going to be drafting you. (laughs) Then they're going to say, oh, I saw this video. That was a new video idea, but it worked really well. I'm going to make my own version of it. And that is just fine. What's what's the mimicry is the best form of flattery. I'm I'm totally slaughtering that. But that is the same concept that, that you... Which is the same thing you're doing when you're understanding your industry and you're uh, drafting other channels. So validate your ideas. Make sure that they're good ideas, especially if you're in the earlier stages of a channel. You really, really want to validate the ideas because it's uphill battle if you're not going to do that. If nobody else is doing what you're currently doing, then you don't know. And it's not that you can't go that way. If In many cases, I would encourage people to go that way. But why not leverage the aspect of familiarity? I've used this example before. I know Jim's used this example before also. But if you're looking to write a business book, you could come up with a cover that's completely different than every other business book cover. And great if you pay enough money to get enough marketing out there to get that familiarity if you get on enough talk shows then you know if you if you uh, have an existing audience then maybe that will work still but why not instead have some overlap in the look of the the book so that when people look at it they think oh that's a business book i like business books therefore i'm going to try this new business book i hope that concept is making sense to you guys anyway i'm going to wrap this up with saying Hopefully that is additional shedding additional light on the concepts of the industry audit and the drafting. If you have additional questions, then I would love to hear them in the project 24 community, shoot them away, shoot, shoot them away, (laughs) shoot your questions. And, uh, let's open discussion on this and hopefully this is helpful for you. I will see you next time.